When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 428 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, and I'm joined today by a very special guest who was on the show yesterday and is on the show frequently. His name's Andrew Spencer Spay. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. How are you, CP? I'm doing good. Um, so different vibe around here, you know? Bracky's been gone on uh, daddy daycare duty. We haven't seen dad key and uh, nigh on a fortnight. What? Um, yeah, we haven't seen Bracky. Uh, he's been gone. Now Nomad and Bray are gone. Uh, they're they're feral bound along with Mike Mao. Uh, so yeah, it's a different different group around here. Different FRL every single day. Uh, Keep it fresh. It feels like yeah, fresh. And hopefully we'll have a more um, consistent, cohesive group once Bracky comes back. And you know, we ban Nomad from traveling. We were just I've always <laughs> just assumed at some point. The other shoe's going to drop, and there will be some sort of travel ban against Nomad, and he won't be able to travel anymore. No fly list. is yeah. definitely a guy. Nomad's on that somewhere, or, or inching towards it. He's inching towards it. Right. It's a long, it's a competitive list to get on, but I feel like... Uh, Eventually, TSA is going to get wise and be like, we can't have a guy that goes by the wrestling Nomad. Yeah, they can't have him on there, and just, uh, you know, nah. th- there's a variety of reasons. So eventually that'll happen, and he will be relegated to the FRL studio forever. Uh, mm-hmm. It's my master plan, but so far... No more wandering. Yeah, but the U.S. government is uh, dragging their feet as <sighs> predict- as uh, very predictably. Typical. So we're just, we're just stuck with him traveling around to and fro. So, uh, of the, the, the thing that you guys have been asking about, talking about, wanting to know more about, Anthony Echemendia, he has captured the hearts of America, or at least the interest, because you guys are very curious about him. We finally know now where he is going. He's going to be a Buckeye. And I think this is so well, – one thing that's like uh, – for me with recruiting, it's very exciting. But it's very much like so exciting and then it's like right, I have to wait two years to watch Dayton Fix wrestle for this team <laughs> in college. And I gotta, it's like I got to wait. It's like he committing, he's going to go to school in January. And I feel very strongly that we're going to see Echemendia um, wrestle this year for Ohio State. I, I think that's – that's their plan. Now the thing is, what way does this guy go? Yeah, I, uh, that's definitely the first question that came to my mind. Uh, he wrestled at FRL and made sixty. Who's number one? Who's number one? FRL. We're having more FRL. We're gonna have one. Yeah. It's it's uh. Sorry, we kind of kind of a spoiler alert here. We're gonna have Echem India wrestle on FRL here. Yeah, eventually. one little mistake and I spoiled the whole thing. Yeah. But, um, right. So he Cuts made on who's number one? He made what sixty five kilo, which is about one forty three and, and a half. Um. So, but he looks. Did they know. really though? Because who's number one is always like. Did he make scratch sixty five? That's what Nomad said. I wasn't there. Oh, okay, I um, said it. But uh, you're right. I mean, maybe there was an allowance, or I don't. I don't know. Nomad seemed to say or, or uh, was implying that one forty three was like a, a doable weight for him. But he looks massive. He's so big. Part I, of it is like the biceps, and he likes to flex, and you see yeah, him a he, lot. And they are, they're huge. He's a monster. He's got he, big pipes. And uh, so, but so, you know, 149 comes to mind first, but they have a pretty good 149 pounder right now, Ohio State does, in slamming Sammy Sasso. Well, uh, so there's a couple things. Right. Maybe he goes down. Uh, imagine he's 41. Now, here's where it gets, it gets dicey because you maybe have some guys out of the lineup, but Pletcher goes down to 33, 33. where he is certified. And then 
You have him at 41 and Sass at 49. Or is is he big enough? Can he be effective at 157 right now? He certainly would be their best option. I feel like he, he looks huge. He, he looks, looks – Yeah. I, you you don't think he would feel out of place at 57. On the other hand, there's also the possibility Sasso could bump up and he goes to 49. A Sasso bump. I like that too. He, he has um, – he, Sasso is not nearly as thick as a guy like Echemendia. I think they're probably around the same height. So Sasso certainly has some weight and he could put on. Maybe he doesn't. So there's a lot of options. I don't always like the idea of, of changing a weight, especially going up a weight midseason. Mm-hmm. I feel like that can be – when it's not really your plan, it's probably not – I mean, 100%, 149 is the best weight for Sammy Sasso to wrestle, right? That's where he's going to be at his best. I don't know if you – I don't – I just don't think you messed with that. The guy can win a title. I think I think he's probably the best guy at that weight. I mean, Austin O'Connor's going to have his say. There's, Brock Mahler's going to have his say. But I, I think he's my pick to win it. So, uh, Yeah, how do you tell a guy that you got title hopes pinned on or, or you, you feel good about his chances and then you move him? I, I could see not wanting to disrupt that. 100%. I, and I don't think they will. I, th- I, I don't think they, that's the direction they would go, but – you never know. Maybe if the the cut becomes tough for for Sammy, then maybe it would happen. I think Sammy will eventually go 157 for his career. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I just think right now at this stage, it would, and I don't think it's the right call. But man, if if he's effective at 157, and so there's one domino. They get Decatur down to 125, which he missed 133. I don't know how that's going to work. But they would Coach Ryan would not rule out Decatur to to 125. Uh, so you go Decatur, Kinner, Pletcher, Sasso, Echemendia is a really salty first um, five weights, right? So many possibilities. And then you've got Colin Moore, who's the favorite for a title. Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's a really really solid team. I, I just man, more than anything, I want to like, I want to see what he looks like. I mean, how quick can you make the transition to, to folk style wrestling? That's that's always the question, right? And you can say wrestling's wrestling all you want, but when someone hits a chop and a tight waist tilt on you, it's like, well, wrestling, this wrestling is different from that wrestling. Yeah, right? someone throws in the boots, stretches you out on bottom. That's not a fun place to yeah, be. Yeah, and there's no, they're not letting you up. Yeah, they don't no, let you up after 10 to 12 seconds. Yeah, the entire time. You got to wait till the period ends. Um, there's also, he, he seems like a very mature and uh, has... Uh, everything together that he needs to thrive in a college setting. But, I mean, he was living in Cuba less than a year ago. Uh, I'm sure of any place, Ohio State gives you the support system that you need to uh, make those adjustments and adapt and thrive. But it is far from where he was living and presumably had a sports system in Arizona. And now he's going all the way to Ohio. He's going to have some harsh winters for the first time. Um, well, I, I just think, man... The guy's been here a year. He graduated from high school, but man, he's gonna go to a, a, a really a, good, a really good school. Mm-hmm. Gonna, how well equipped is he academically? I, I mean, I don't know anything about like his education, but the educational systems are different from Cuba and the United States. So, but I don't know. I figured that's for them to figure out. And yeah, Anthony and, the and they staff. have resources. Yeah. in Columbus. So for sure, I don't have uh, doubts about that. I just think it's interesting. You know, that's another wrinkle that they have to contend with and they have to uh, figure out a solution for. But it seems like he's going he's he's adapting very well to life here in the States. All right. I'm on Facebook. I'm looking at uh, I'm monitoring the comments here a little bit without no Bracky's here. He set this up for you guys. I know you guys have been missing it. You've, you've been asking, hey, where is it? Have, hasn't popped up on Facebook. Well, we haven't been on Facebook. That's why. Uh, but when when Brack when uh, the baby sleeps. Bracky gets to work and he he uh, he helps his people out. So. Finally, they can yell at us in real time now. Yes, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, and Ross Patton said, "So they wasted Heinzelman's redshirt." Well, technically, if um, if they do use Decatur and he comes down, I I guess so. But at the same time, they're gonna they they can't you know they don't know what's gonna happen. And I like the idea of go ahead and rest, especially if you're competing for a spot. If you're a super high blue chip uh, competing for uh, a, a national title in your first year, any year you want, you can say, oh, no, he burned a, a red shirt or whatever. But when you're competing for a, a starting spot, you make your move as soon as possible. Don't wait around. You never know how things are going to change, what new recruits are going to come in. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to wrestle in the starting lineup of a team like the Buckeyes and worry about eligibility and all that 
another time. Yeah. So I think it it would be huge if um, if they get him in the lineup this year. Um, you know, and we've been talking about that third spot being open for really any team, right? It's like Penn State and Iowa; they're the top two teams in some certain order. And then it's like who's who's going to be that third that third? Uh, yeah. Nomad's doing that uh, Trophy Hunters series, mm -hmm. which you famously started several years ago. Wow. Back famously. Famously, yeah. Everything we do that is uh, of that much importance is known throughout the land. But Nomad is going through and picking out everybody that could be going for third and fourth because there's going to be a lot of teams in the hunt. I mean, right now, it looks like a two-horse race for first, and that's obviously fascinating. Iowa and Penn State, mm -hmm. we're going to be writing about that all season long. But that third and fourth spot, you get a trophy. That's something you bring back to your AD. That's something you put, prom you know, you, you showcase in your uh, trophies case. And that is, uh, it's going to be a fascinating race. Hypothermically, what mm -hmm. if, if they win titles that like, you know, they have three guys that I think have a real great chance to win a title. And if Etchemendi is legit and Kinner can maintain, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be right there. If they have a couple champs and then... A total of six All-Americans. Yeah, I mean that. Who I haven't, you know, you got to go down to the lineup and then do your best case and all yeah, that. Yeah, they need probably like a single Terry or, uh, you know, this Rocky Jordan thing is gonna be fascinating with those guys. Yeah, know, Caleb Romero and Ethan Smith, all these guys in there, and then you know who emerges. It's a good problem to have for Ohio State. Yeah, so they're they're gonna be an exciting team to watch as their lineup is going to remain in flux for. I don't know how long. I mean, certainly in January it's going to change if Etchemendia gets in. They didn't bring him in, and they they want to use him right away. So I think they know what they've got there, and they're really excited for how good he can be. I mean, that how effortlessly he tech-followed Joshua Saunders was Oof. really I mean, yeah, it's good for the alarming. fans that he can wrestle right away because, like you said, I want to watch Etchemendia yeah, as much as just, possible. He's such an interesting – I mean, when does something like this happen where you've got a guy – you don't even heard of him. Right then he moves here, and I think no one really knew anything about him. It was Arizona until State, Fargo. so he didn't. Yeah, before Fargo, you didn't. You know, he beat everybody in Arizona, but there are guys that go that that come from states like, yeah. that aren't as strong as other states. And Arizona has some good uh, recruits coming out of there every year, but it's not a power state, and so guys can go undefeated in there. They don't really pop up on the on the national radar. Yeah. So he does that. No big deal. It was a half semester even in Arizona. And then yeah, Fargo was a huge eye opener, and then he's been in the in the news ever since. Yeah, so very very excited. Yes, Eric Cooper. Hypothermically, it means like means like not for sure for real, but you know you're just like yeah. guessing. You're putting something out there. You're mm -hmm. testing the waters. Yeah, the Google it. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's Echemendia. Um, I feel like nothing on the signing day front. No other shakeups. Big news. Not everyone signs on signing day. There's like a window. So like I think Braxton Amos is signing today with Wisconsin. Um, yeah, you want to line it up with what your school does and everything else. And yeah. There could be other factors. So if somebody hasn't signed yet but they committed or verbaled or a solid, I wouldn't worry about it. It should be coming up shortly. And not everybody does a tweet and graphic and Instagram. Some guys just sign. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Ward, I think, just tweeted out that um, with the service academies, there is no letter of intent. You sign a contract with the government. <laughs> And That's what's up. you don't get a scholarship or whatever. You get paid to go to school and everything else is covered because you're literally going to serve in the, the military uh, uh, capacity. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. So you don't do the graphic. You don't do all that stuff. But the kids that are going to Army, Navy, Air Force, they're getting a really good deal. And uh, yeah, no kidding. It's uh, it's it's still a fun thing. They just celebrate a little bit differently. I think the IVs have certain self-imposed restrictions, that kind of thing. So. Okay. So what's going on this week? We're we're talking a lot about uh, we have two teams make two power teams make their dual debuts. Iowa against UTC and Oklahoma State going east to start their season. Going to hit Drexel Friday and Lehigh Saturday back to back. And some interesting uh, dynamics with Oklahoma State in their lineup. Uh, talking about Joe Smith, Caden uh, G. Feller. Apparently they're having some academic struggles or issues or something that coach smith was talking about and said you know there's some things you need to do before you wrestle in one of them school sometimes we need to be reminded why why we're here so we could see joe and caden at the duels are going to travel with the team but we might not yeah and shouts to the uh, ocali student newspaper for getting that quote and being boots on the ground reporting that's where we got that information because the uh 
Joe Smith and Caden Capeller did not wrestle in the Oklahoma City University Open with the right. rest of the team, which is why there were some question marks about what team we'd see from the Cowboys. Yeah, so my question is, are we going to see, you know, the, the match we want to see is Joe Smith versus Jordan Cutler, right? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see that match? Are they going to hold him out for for uh, Joseph? I, I'm, I mean, Joe Smith is another one of those. And it's funny because we've been watching him wrestle for five years now. <laughs> I mean, longer than five years. Watched him through high school and went Fargo, et cetera. But, you know, we know so much about him. But at the same time, it's like, what are you going to get? Like last year, it's like, what are you going to get with him at 165? Now he's going to be back up at 174. What does he look like? Because we've seen such variance with Joe. We've seen him look so excellent, like a, a guy a guy that pushed Nolf, a guy that pushed Mark Hall. And then, you know, at the at NCAAs, you know, he wasn't that guy, right? So we felt like after the scuffle last year, this is a guy that can win 174. He almost beat Mark Hall, right? Not almost beat Mark Hall. He was in a co- very competitive match with Mark Hall. Stop yelling, Penn State fans. I corrected myself. <laughs> I corrected myself immediately. Yeah, midstream. You Quick were... walk back. It's not even a walk back. It's not even what I meant. But he gave him a really good match, right? So that to me is uh, – that said something, right? And he and he beat David McFadden really soundly. That that happened. was the big – That was I. That to me it was like, wow, McFadden is a dude, multiple-time All-American. He All-American that year at 74. Because um, he was bumping up a weight too, but some of the stuff Joe Smith was hitting, it was super crafty. I mean, he looked strong. It was just a, I think, a, a climate, uh, uh, acclimating himself to the weight class and then tournaments and NCAs. There was a lot in that season that he contend with moving up, up and down weights. But man, when he was on, it was like this is the guy. Right. So now he's back at 174, presumably, and we. I am expecting that kind of version of Joe Smith, but I want to see him against Jordan Cutler, who he wrestled. Joe's sophomore year and Cutler beat him in the scuffle finals I want to say uh really actually kind of a boring match I think Joe uh hit a shot and Cutler hit a counter like a dive roll and got two if I'm remembering correctly but Cutler won so I'd like to see that rematch see the evolution in those two guys uh as Cutler is uh squarely cemented as a top five guy but I don't know if we'll see it, but I really, really hope we do. Yeah, it's one of those early season matchups you have circled, but there's so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's November. What you know, the importance of a match now for the greater season for NCAs, it's really not a huge thing. You'd rather be safe than sorry. Right. But man, that'd be a great early season. Get a test, get to see where everybody is. Cutler looked good at the Journeyman Collegiate Classic, beat Mikey Labriola. Uh, it was four to one. Labriola might have a shoulder thing. It was all in a uh, like a big brace, uh, um, but Cutler didn't let him get anywhere near his legs. And that's just the that's the thing with Cutler. He's just so he's really really tough to get to. Now, who could we see? Um, Weiler could we see Weiler versus Gear? Yeah, that would be a really interesting. I mean, Weiler just had a great showing at, at Journeyman, right? Yeah, he, Weiler's all up and down. Weiler lost to. Uh, let me pull it up because he lost to one of his teammates uh, earlier this season. He lost at the Princeton Open to uh, which one? Jake Logan. A lot of Jakes up mm. there. Um, Jake and or Logan. that was, I guess, an injury. He also lost to Luke Hodson, an Army guy. They have tough outs all over the place. Um, all right, that's not a bad loss. That's Taylor Venge. You're right. Then he beat Corey Hazel and Tanner Orndorff, two like ranked or bubble guys, depending on the of week. So he lost to Jake and Logan Paul, but that was it. <laughs> yes. The, All right. He'll be appearing on YouTube soon to fight. <laughs> Weiler will have been. So, and, you know, Dakota Gear, someone, you know, he had a really strong finish to his season last year. So looking forward to that one. What are the other? Reese Whitcraft going to be wrestling right away for Oklahoma State. They're pulling his red shirt, um, which, you know, what does that say? Because there's also – the dynamic of Cade Brock's return and return down at 133 coming off his injury. And I'm curious to see what Whitcraft can do this year as a a true freshman for Oklahoma State. I really liked his style in in high school. I think he's a fun guy to watch. And I think in that room, he's only going to get better. So I I think he's he's one of the more exciting guys, someone we haven't really talked much about. And I think after this weekend, Reese Whitcraft is going to enter that conversation more. And who could he hit from from, uh, Lehigh? Uh, Nick Farrow is their yeah. guy. Who he had a pretty. He was part of that uh, Rankers Delight that we had. Uh, of course, such an animated discussion about yesterday. Uh, beating guys that are ranked ahead of him and then losing to guys that are ranked below him. What do you do with that? But I mean, he's going to be. He's a tough guy. He beat Luke Pletcher at uh, in freestyle a couple 
uh, Junior World Team Trials ago. Um, so he's a legit guy. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so that's that. Um, Drexel, they'll they'll take on Drexel live on Flow for uh, Friday evening. That'll be their official season debut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, dual meet. I guess they wrestled in the Oklahoma City after team. Yeah, but that's you know dual debut. So we'll see that from from Oklahoma State, uh, a team that's always really really fun to watch. And they're another team where their lineup, you know, I I I wouldn't be surprised to see it change. I really want to see Travis Whitlake. What's he looking like? You know, yeah. I, coming out of high school, I, I was I thought he was just super. Oh, he was. I mean, he he, he looked every bit the part. He was wrestling up some weight classes. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be cut down to one sixty five. Uh, we'll see how effective he is. Uh, but he apparently beat Andrew Shamers, who um, is a, is a tough guy. I think he qualified for uh, Edinburgh back when he was there before he transferred to Oklahoma State, um, and and beat him solidly. So uh, Whitlake's going to be the guy. Whitcraft and Whitlake, all the wits. Wow. The wittiest bunch of them all, Oklahoma hmm. State. So, hey, looking forward to that. Also, we're gonna have we're gonna have the Iowa debut. Now, any any particular matchups there of note, or is it just like is it all about just hey, it's Iowa's debut, and we're gonna see Gavin Teasdale maybe. We're gonna see Anthony Cassiope, and uh, all these Hawkeyes we're we're excited to watch. Uh, definitely, that is the main thing in Chattanooga. Waddell, I think, just had a really good weekend. Uh, Matthew Waddell at 184. Nomad was real high on him. Um, he's climbing up the ranks. Was 26 or was was on the bubble. He's got Cash Wilkie, so that's a nice test. Wilkie is is three time national qualifier. Hasn't yet punched through. Been around a 12 a couple times. This will be uh, this will be a good test. So that'll probably be the marquee matchup if it happens. That's the only guy Chattanooga has ranked right now. The mocks. Tough team, not quite at Iowa's level yet. Very few teams are. Yeah. Uh, but it should just be fun to see everybody get out there. I mean, Penn State Navy wasn't competitive, but it was fun to see them out there. Ohio State, Stanford actually had two really good matches for Stanford. How about Kimmer? Man, I mean, thinking about how long it's been since we've seen him, and it'll be the first action at, at 174. Yeah, that's right. He, he It was all the fanfare of moving up. We got an Iowa bulk job coming, and then we never got to see it, unfortunately. Um Injuries, they take their toll. That that they do. So can't wait for for that. Can't wait for Iowa to get their season started. And we're also going to have Penn State, uh, Michigan, Army, CMU, Indiana, Hofstra, Maryland, Bloomsburg, all at the Black Knight Invitational. And for Penn State, it'll be a, a mixed bag of who they're going, who's going for them. Because Chenzo is going to be at the Farrell, so he won't be there. Kassar, we think maybe would be at the Farrell. He's registered. Both registered. those guys are uh, recent registers. Bergie will not. We have the entry list, and they should be on Arena if they're not soon. But there's an article talking about what to watch for uh, on live on the site right now uh, for that invite. Um, but we will uh, and no Bergie and no Shakur dealing with injuries or just being held out out of precaution. But uh, three-time finalist NCAA champ Mark Hall will be there. Nick Lee, uh, multiple-time All-American, uh, will be there at 141 and All-American. Roman Bravo Young will be there at 133. Um, and then a lot of teams use these early tournaments as de facto wrestle-offs. Uh, Penn State is taking three 125-pounders. You're allowed to enter 15 total. It's kind of like a Southern Scuffle type deal. Um, and two guys, uh, um, Luke Gardner and Jared Verclaren at 149. And then at 125, they'll have Schnupp, Teske, and Meredith, I think. Yes. And they are all going to wrestle off, and then we won't... It's not like even after the tournament, depending on the results, even if there's some head-to-head matchups, I don't think we're going to get a definitive statement as in here's our guy going forward. It's going to be, well, you saw the result, and we're going to keep evaluating throughout the year, and we're still going to have to wait till Big Tens to know for sure, but that's the Well, you know, last year, you say that, but last year, Neville's Kassar happened at Keystone. Kassar won, and that was the last we saw of Neville's in starting. That's true. As far as I can tell. So I, I think there is an opportunity for a guy, you know, if if a Teske or a Gardner they, if if they storm through and they bonus and there's there's separation there, uh, barring something crazy happening at the scuffle, which they're not going to, so I don't even know where it would happen, where they could like do better than the other guy. I, I think there's a good chance these guys come in and take the spot. And um, this would definitely be the opportunity for sure. Yeah. So could very well have two of their weights determined at the at this. I, I want to see. Nick Lee and who could he hit from um, Michigan? Who would be the the forty one? Uh, Freeman. They've been using Freeman. Okay. All right. So yeah, Lee and Lee and um, RBY are going to be by far and away the the highest 
ranked and most favored guy to to dominate those weight classes. Yeah, um, there'll be some battles elsewhere. Uh, Stencil and Paris. Do you remember how many times they saw each other last year and all the crazy pins? They and stuff? only pin each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, except at the MSU Open. Um, yeah, just now it was Paris just like one nine to two or something like that. that. Was the first time they've wrestled seven minutes. Before that, they never got out of the, the first period in three no. matches last year. So they're gonna. They just have to wrestle each other all the time, apparently. Yeah. Okay, so looking forward to that. Wish we could see Kassar versus Paris just to see where Paris is. But, you know, Paris is going to have a good test in, in Stencil, some, a guy that's pinned him quickly before. Yeah, twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice, interestingly. So looking forward to that. Um, give us some other highlights. What else should we be looking for? Uh, live on the site. Um you know, Ryder at Minnesota, maybe not a two marquee uh, teams. Well, or, or not highly ranked teams right now, but they're all tough dudes. And uh, Jesse Delavecchia at 65 and Brolsma was recently ranked. Uh, there's a lot of – it's a, Delavecchia had some question marks that got brought up yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. We haven't seen him as much. Ryder doesn't always wrestle uh, as many, you know, Big Ten type teams. So this would be a good test to see where they're at. And it's always fun to see the Bronx of Jersey get out there. Uh, right. The Wolfpack Open is happening. That's something. And Dactronics. Dactronics could have uh, Lou Dupre and Taylor Venz. Whoa. Because Binghamton is going to, to Dactronics and um, Nebraska is going to Dactronics. That's one that totally snuck up on me this weekend when I was looking at the schedule of what's too happening. too much going on. I feel like that's normally earlier in the season. It's oh, usually the very first, very first weekend, weekend. with like, like Clarion, MSU, Cowboy. and Cowboy. Um, they moved it back a little bit, but that would be, man, if we could see that. Dupre just shot up to second. Vence just took Zahid Valencia to the wire. Um, whoever wins that is going to end up being second, I imagine. Yeah, you would think. Okay. Excited. Man, I'm telling you oh, what. You and I versus Northwestern. That's going to be juicy. Yeah, yeah. Thomas is probably underranked because he, sat, he had injuries and he didn't wrestle a ton. But he's got talent, junior world team member. And then Alec um, Thompson just beat uh, Jared Degan to shoot up into the rankings, so we're going to have more chaos there. Another swirling cauldron. I feel like Yaya is – he's another one for me that I'm like, I really want to watch and see what he looks like at 149 this year. A lot of excitement around him, especially at Northwestern, thinking he's going to be really, really good. But as you said, you know, he, he missed last year. At the end of last year, didn't even go to Big Ten. So a lot to learn there. Uh, so much, so much going on. And then uh, Pitt versus Ohio State – we're going to have that Philippi Kinner rematch already. It was a close one at, at Michigan State. And uh, Kinner could really cement himself as the guy. But I always feel like, um, you know, Philippi's going to have adjustments to make too, right? He's So Kinner, you know, he can learn from his loss. But at the same time, was Philippi maybe not ready to be challenged by someone as good as, as Kinner? Was he not expecting it to, to go that way? Right now that he knows, is he going to be better prepared himself for a match where you're just focusing on this one guy? So I'm looking forward to that match, and I think uh, that's going to be a really exciting duel. Also, Kennedy Monday versus Shane Griffith is exciting to me. Yeah. How, how much more exciting is Stanford now with those two guys? Oh, my gosh. Real Woods and Shane Griffith. And, you know, we were talking about last year. It's like, man, are you really going to redshirt these guys? Like, they are <laughs> really, really good. They're ready to wrestle and, and be difference makers at the Division One level. But now... They're, they're they're both wrestling so well, and I I, I like the they're both so different, right? Mm -hmm. Personality wise and wrestling style wise, they're going to be fun to watch their throughout their career at, at Stanford. And you know, Kennedy Monday, he's a guy that you know he'll he'll lose to a guy, you'll be like, what happened? And then he'll beat Joey Lavalley. So <laughs> is he going to step up and is he going to be able to take out a, a Shane Griffith, or is it going to be um, you know back? You know, he lost a Perez at at the southeast, which is a fine loss, but not the. Um, if you want to go to the next level, if you want to go to the next level, guys, you like you got to chew those. You know, you got to pass those guys without having to worry too much. Because mm -hmm. yeah. those, but so what he is is he becomes the landmine in the bracket. Yeah, you're like you got to you know the guys that are top ten you know consistently and and you know get those high seeds. They're worried about guys like Kennedy because you know he hasn't established himself, but he knows he can beat guys like that. Mm -hmm. Now we need to talk about um, we need to talk about uh, Farrell a little bit. Jamil Kelly, what did he? There, because there's some questions about oh, the, the seating, seating right. right? How are they seated? Because we did a whole show yesterday. Nomad broke his back trying to figure out all well, the different seeds. It's not it, his 
you Carpal know, tunnel syndrome is setting spine, in. <laughs> his spine is not that sturdy to begin with. Now, uh, so Dake asked, uh, you know, hey, what's the seating process? Is there a seating meeting? And Jamil Kelly says there is not. That they're using a seating database and program that has been created using head-to-head -head and common opponents. So what exactly does that mean? I don't really know. But if, if it's going by common opponents and head-to-head, -head, I think of someone like Nick Soriano, who basically has none. Right? He has none. He hasn't done it. So he's not seated. He's the last seed. What do you do there? To me, this is where there needs to be a common sense component, right? Someone like Makai Lewis. How many common opponents does he have? He's beaten Dan Valamont or outplaced Dan Valamont, but that's not going to get him into the top four or five where I think we all believe his ability would suggest he is, right? So the that's a that's a tricky game to play. And then, you know, a, a, a result we referenced uh, that Nomad pulled up yesterday was that Pirelli had beaten Nishan Garrett. Well, okay, so is Pirelli going to be seated ahead of Nishan Garrett? Nishan won final X, right, afterwards. So I don't, I don't know. To me, that sounds great. It's, it only makes sense if everyone's competing. Like in the NCAA situation, it makes sense. Everyone has common opponents at some level, and they all have the matrix, and they've all competed at the same places approximately, etc. But this is, this is, you know. You've got people from you got Ethan Lezak's in here. You've got all At these sixty five. Yeah, what, what, how do you? So there, there's just such a with these freestyle tournaments, especially where you have this c collection of talent, and combine that with the fact that we're going from ten weights down to six. Yeah, every everybody's moving up and down. I mean, they have to. Yeah, so I, you know I, what it you know what it means. It means tune in at nine or ten or whenever it starts, and make sure you catch some of those early yeah. bracket matchups because we're gonna get it's gonna have that random draw aspect to it if these guys don't get seated because they don't have those common opponents or however it gets done. So you're gonna see a Makai Lewis, Jason Nolf very very early potentially or something. You know anything. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? We'll just say that one. We'll yeah, that we'll one. round one. Circle it. Can you believe it? Round Wake one. Wake up. Brew the coffee. Saturday morning live. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it'll be a bonanza. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> now, a lot of feral dress code discussion. Mm. We talked about it a little yesterday. Um, I don't, I think you're fine to wear whatever you want to wear, okay? Bermuda shorts, tank top, you know, yeah, they, I don't, Stanzo brand fedora, they're all fine. It's nice. Those Stanzos are nice. Those are so, nice. Um, but I, it made me want to tell my Bill Farrell dress code story because I was going uh, for Beat the Streets. Or it's not Bill Farrell. It's actually NYAC because that's the that's the reason there's all these dress code stuff. It's at the NYAC. Yeah, it's fancy schmancy. When Bill Farrell was in Long Island, there was not even a thought a, a thought of a dress code. No. It was come as you are. Come as you are, Nirvana. So we um so what happened was I was flying in from from Austin to New York, and then I was getting on the day of the press conference, which is at the NYAC. And I maybe have told us this story before, but you know we get new view viewers all the time. It's so new to me. It's new to it's new to Spay. So listen up. <laughs> so I get there and uh, I I didn't know like the dress code thing, or maybe I just thought I could get in because I was going to the and they're like the way I was going in, they're like, no, you can't come in this way, blah blah. blah. So I had to go. It's right next. To, it's literally across the street from Central Park. So I'm like, okay, I need to change. I, they're not gonna let me in there to change. So I literally went around into Central Park behind a stone wall there. So they're like, the street is in front of me, but behind me is all of Central Park. They all see me. Mm -hmm. And I just I just changed my pants and shirt right there in uh, in front of everyone. It's a little quick change. A little quick change. Yeah. It Not was, too many people, you know, out in the if it's cold in, in November as many, but there's plenty of strollers, joggers. Yeah, the squirrels and animals. I figure, as far as New York City goes, that's pretty mild. You know, I did a quick look. Uh, I was sort of obscured, but definitely, if you were looking in my direction, you, yeah. you could have seen nothing. You know, hey, you from know New what York, it was. You've seen it all. Yeah, you've seen what. That's seen nothing. What. It's not a big deal. But that's what I did. That's what I had to do. So um, that's worst case scenario, right? Just have a change of clothes there. Well, there, you didn't. Um, there is that side entrance. We joked about the yeah, I didn't servant know. entrance. But if you just so it's like the main uh, drag, and I forget which streets are on, but it's up there in like the 50s or something right next to Central Park. But then if you go to the side, you know, the the, um, the cross streets are a little bit smaller, and they have like a side entrance. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
they have somebody checking to make sure that you're not just like randomly like barging into the NYAC. But if you say you're going to the wrestling or something, they'll tell you what floor and they don't, they're not going to care if you're wearing pretty much anything, but you, that it's a narrow staircase and the elevator that goes there is the one that all the uh, waiters and folks are bringing like all their carts with food to all the fancy dress stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a really long way for the elevator and sometimes it dings and there's no room. So my suggestion is just go full on tux, tails, white gloves, top hat, just twirl your cane as you come in. Yeah. Uh, you could make it light. Slip slip the guy a C note on yeah, the way out the door. There you go. <laughs> Take your girl out, kid. Here's a tip. Find a new line of work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that's basically the guide to the Bill Farrell as a as a viewer. Someone who asked, um, someone asked about Sebastian Rivera. Ross Patton. Wow, a lot of airtime for Ross Patton today. <laughs> Is Sebastian staying at thirty three for a little bit? Uh little Sebastian, if you will. Uh I don't know. I think he's uh I think it's very much up in the air. He's going to wrestle the next couple duels at 133, and he's going to do the Puerto Rican Nationals, which sounds like he would just have to weigh in. I mean, who's he'll probably have a, a match or so, but I don't think it's going to be. I'm feeling pretty good about yeah. Sebastian's chances. I think you could bet some farms on that one. So we'll. Uh, so he's going to do that at 57, which is 125 and a half, and then I think he's going to evaluate then. And then we'll know after that. I think probably Midlands would maybe be the first time we saw him at 25 if he, if he goes down. But uh, so that is not yet determined. Cool. I think it's one of those early season things we talked about. That's why um, you circle all these matchups that you want to see early and you still get them. But it's almost like the ones that you didn't know you wanted to see happen. And then the ones that you did circle, guys are changing weights. They're getting adjusted, acclimating to the new season and now you throw in this olympic year and freestyle and that everything goes haywire there so all sorts of new wrinkles being added in for every event wrinkles galore uh okay what else do you want to talk about before we get to questions from our friends dear andrew spay uh well you touched on signing day um rankings we had our our heated discussion yesterday uh, I just want to do a general, just let people know that we're uh, trying to cover as much wrestling as possible. And mm-hmm. one of the areas that we didn't have as much was the local or the state level for high school. We had national rankings. Those are coming back. Our man Brock Hyde is going to be cranking those out in no time. Yeah. Um, but we also have, you know, we're starting to roll out Iowa, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. We're going to have some Nebraska material. We had some Arizona State Stuff coming out, an article, I don't know if people saw about they're getting ready for uh, women's wrestling in case something comes up, uh, recognized on the D1 level, California, Michigan, and just give us feedback on if it's what you want to see. If you want to see anything different, it's the first time we've done stuff like that. And we are nothing if not receptive to feedback from y'all. Uh, so, yeah, give it to us. Let it never be said. <laughs> Andrew Spay is not receptive. Okay. Um, so let's get to it. Let's get to the questions um, from our friends, which are which are you, and we thank you for them. And I'll also be on Facebook too, so if you want to throw some stuff in there, like a Ross Patton, maybe I'll see it. Maybe uh, Spay can give me a little air cover there. So, um, Matt Kaminer, warning: this is complete fantasy land thought and not a prediction. But if Etchum Indian rolls at Ohio State second semester and wins a title, see the best story in college wrestling in recent memory. I think probably so. I think this the this guy's story is is wild and the trials and tribulations he went through just to get to this point are um are somewhat unprecedented, right? And I think I mean I think one thing we we have we have to get his full story out at some point uh cuz I think it's important. But yeah, I mean I think that's one of the I mean Robles I think was a um definitely an inspirational story. For me and and many people, right, in a story that he he continues to tell, um, but yeah, I think I think that's up there. There's some crazy ones. I mean, Mark Perry beating Johnny Hendricks, I think is is up there, right? You know, I mean, we did a whole flow film about it. You should watch it. But you know, to be John Smith's nephew and to go to the rival and to beat the the two time champion is is pretty freaking special. So there have been a lot of great stories. If Etchemendia wins. Um, it, it, it would be right up there, right? Oh, Bailey Brown. 
He, he asks, can friends play the Tuesday headline game too? My Tuesday episode headline. Lezak was dominant throughout, qualifies for trials. Bailey, if that happens, um, if that happens, Bailey, I don't know. I, I want to make an audacious promise, but uh, I don't want to be legally held to it on the event that it happens. But it's not going to happen. Um, Any Lezak is good Lezak. And anytime yeah. you get something crazy with Lezak, you want to he's got the nicknames. So headline writers, I mean that's that's our weakness. Backpack Lezak. Is you can come is up back. with the lizard, backpack, Lezak. Yeah. All sorts of good stuff. That's a great headline though. If it if it happens, we're you're the man, uh, Bailey Brown. <laughs> Beach guy at Price's Right. Yeah. Good Which, friend Ryan. Ryan Price. Friend of the show. He said, Lehigh is pretty much a lock to win this Oklahoma State duel Saturday. What do you think? The the best is the two question marks in his. That is like, obviously right. Yes. Two yeah. question marks means you must agree with the, the question that I'm asking. Yeah. Um, no, not, not a lock. A near lock, Ryan. A near lock. But I can't go full lock territory. What I like about Oklahoma State going east, uh, and they mentioned it last year, or John Smith did it when they went to Rutgers and had that incredibly fun duel. Uh, not wrestling Rutgers this year, but are hitting Drexel and Lehigh. But Oklahoma State recruits nationwide. And so it's almost like a win-win, although you have to be thinking about your recruiting territory. But John Smith wants to go to the East Coast and recruit in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York and everywhere else. And so, yeah, you get this awesome duel with Oklahoma State, and they're lots of fun, and, and uh, they bring all sorts of fun, uh, great wrestlers. But he's also there with another ulterior motive, and that is to scoop up as many good wrestlers as he can. Yes, and he's good at doing that as well. <laughs> um, Tanner Hall's AARP card at Nomad Fantasy. Interesting. Was that getting, covers like all sorts of jokes? Yeah, that's that. like yeah. that's like years of years of jokes. <laughs> was uh, getting Etchemendia a bigger win than Kirkfleet was a loss? Well, if I knew. Yeah, it's, you need a crystal ball to really figure that one out, right? I don't know. I think I'll say this. I think they they both have potential to be superstars. So it could be a wash, right? It could be a wash. It could be a, a bigger win. It could be, you know, Kirkfleet could be a multi, you know, win th two or three titles, right? And if Etchemendia doesn't, I don't know. I know I feel like I'm wavering here, but with Etchemendia, I won't rule out that it's a possibility that getting Etchemendia would be better than Kirkfleet leaving, but man, there's so much unknown with with Etchemendia and really Kirkfleet at this point that I'm, I can't be so definitive. And being definitive, being definitive is one of my favorite things to be. I don't think I can. Is there any chance that Ohio State with Etchemendia uh, beats an Iowa team? I think that's a lot of hypotheticals that we have to go to. This is Cameron Stewart on well, Facebook. I just figured out how to bring up the questions. Oh, good job. So, yeah, I'm a little technically deficient. I haven't been watching on the Facebook as much. That's okay. <laughs> so, that's a good question. Um, I think – here's what I think. I think in a duel, they they could potentially do it, right? I think a duel – I think Ohio State's going to have a really good duel team because they're going to have 10 really good guys. And, you know, if you win six matches, then, then you won. I could see a scenario where they win six matches. Big tens, you could almost maybe maybe you see it then, but where uh, Ethan Smith's not going to place third or fourth at nationally, maybe he does there. Well, yeah. But, what happens at Big Ten? Sorry to interrupt, but it's like one of those things where it's a qualifying tournament, and we saw it with Penn State not winning Big Ten sometimes, and guys, you know, finish in the top eight or guarantee top six, and then they say, "I'm saving myself for NCAs." Everybody's dinged up at that point. And so there could definitely be some scenarios where guys sneak in because other guys are taking that off. Um, so that, that was my Big Ten thought. But then at NCAs, there's that's that's a tougher one. Yeah. So I, I think I think in the order of likelihood, it would be a duel. Big Tens and NCAs, I think, is a bigger reach. I think beating them at, at NCAs is going to be super tough. Um, it would re it's going to require some regression from Iowa that it would be completely unexpected for them to not get production out of multiple guys right that's that's my opinion um iowa has uh, everybody ranked in the top 12 or higher right now and the guys at 12 are like cassiope who you feel like could easily climb up that's the, a pretty solid team ross Patton, what scenario does ohio state win six matches well um i don't know if they win could kenner beat DeSanto? probably not but I don't know. Pleasure is ranked number one right now. 
Fletcher Sasso, um, Etchemendia could win. Um, so there's three. Maybe if 84 gets their act together over Wilkie, I don't know. I mean, Colin Moore's going to win. Singletary could win. Yeah, so maybe not. Tough to get to six. It's tough, but it's also how many times the teams go in full strength at a duel, too. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, we're doing hypothetical, very best-case scenario. You're going to need a couple upsets probably from Ohio State. Or bonus. Or bonus. And then, but, you And know, again, they have Spencer Lee, and he's definitely going to bonus whoever Ohio State puts out at 25. That's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. So, you never know. Uh, what if, you know, if... What if, um, yeah, I don't know. It's unlikely. Maybe more likely at Big Tens. It's unlikely as a whole anyways. It's right. a good uh, Rutgers question from a fan of tacos, and I am a fan of a fan of tacos. Okay. Um, put us on the spot to come up with a nickname, but Rutgers will be rolling out a front of the line in kindergarten squad. That's, I mean, they're just freshmen. That's a little different than kindergarten, but I get it. Uh, all freshmen at 125 to 149. Aguilera. Alvarez, um, Alvarez, Aragona, and Angelo. Um, wow. I think Aragona, we're all most pumped to see, but there's um, Sammy Alvarez has got real high potential. Aguilar brings a little California dimension to the East Coast that they're not used to. Well, and he's saying because all their names start with A. That's why they're front of the line in kindergarten. What? You, you line up in ABC order. Are you telling me that I misread this man's entire premise of his tweet? Yes, that yeah. is what I'm telling you. I find that to be accurate now that I'm looking at that. So the yeah. A team. Yeah. Why not call him the A-Team? It's right there. It's never been done either. Have people forgotten about that classic show they made a movie about? It? I love this question. Which wrestler not named Jordan Burroughs will make you shed the most tears when he takes off his shoe when he takes his shoes off the mat? Takes off his shoes on the mat. He takes his mat off the shoes. When he takes his mat off the, the shoes. The mat was laying on the shoes and now mm. they are no longer. Uh yeah, man, who do you I'll tell you one guy, just because Rucker's on the brain, but uh Mario Mason has been competing for forever. And is entered in the Bill <laughs> Mario Fair. Mason as not like a Jordan Burroughs, cla you know, legend or whatever. But I, you will get emotional if Mario Mason removes his shoes. Okay, maybe that was a bad example. I'm gonna say I'm gonna agree with you there. But that, that I, I can agree on. But a guy that puts that, that's been I'm competing about, for so long. No, man. I mean, like for me, Jordan. For me, um, yeah, not a Jordan level. If Dake, if um. The, the legends, Snyder, yeah. Taylor, the guys that are killing it right now. Yeah, I don't know if I would be, you know. Dude, I mean, if Jordan lost in the Olympic trials finals and took his shoes off, that would that would be, that would freak me out. There's a lot of guys of that generation that have. Um, I feel like a lot of guys wouldn't do it. Like Thomas Gilman would not do that. No. He wouldn't take his shoes off. Um, James Green, just because he's getting towards yeah. the end, and he's made five world teams, mm -hmm. which blows my mind. Never made it a, a national team, but I mean, never made, never won an NCAA's. Yeah. But now a national team, which is beating everybody and then some in your bracket. Um. And mm. to come to the point where you know he just started a family, uh, Olympics. He's a tweener, um, classic tweener. Not you know moving up now to try to make seventy four. Odds are going to be slim. Just being honest, and so what does he do? Looking forward to the future, and he's such a great guy and such fun to rest, watch too. Someone like NATO for me, as I've just always kind of really liked NATO. I liked his style a lot, um, and you know, and, and I think there's an element of a guy that maybe didn't reach the thing he had set out to do. There's like a, like Tony Ramos takes off his. He never never accomplished his goal internationally of of winning World Olympic titles, right? And like. You're, they're saying goodbye to their dream. I yeah. think there's something about that. It's like Jordan's accomplished his things, right? Um, so I think that would be a, uh, an element for me, like when like when Spencer took his off as well at, in Iowa City last in 2016. Yeah, a guy like Kevin Gadsden has been putting on the yes. line for a while, and he puts a lot of emotion into it too. Um, another just great person when you talk to him in an interview, and you know you get stuck behind. A Kyle Snyder on the international level. He he had that awesome, you know, the famous uh, when Snyder's freshman year, the Gadsden mm -hmm. trip, and so you know it's, he's capable, and he probably has that, you know, in his mind the whole time, and he gets asked about it all the time, and he's number two for so long because Snyder picked it up, you know, freestyle. It's really gonna hit in like I don't know two to three quads when 
uh, the Yanni, Dayton, Spencer, Spencer, when those guys are, are retiring, and literally knowing them from kids, like not just watching them, like I watched Jordan Burroughs all but like literally meeting these guys when they're freshmen, sophomore in high school, then knowing them and then watching them and that will be that will be probably the the time it'll be most uh emotional. Yeah. But at the end of the day it's it's just fun sports, right? Uh, but that that will be it for me. Okay. Um Aaron Bartlett. If Soriano qualifies for the Olympic team trials at the Farrell or US Open, what are the chances uh, he pulls his red shirt? I love the idea that it's just him pulling it. It's like, it's not Rucker's choice. It'll be his <laughs> choice, which is like actually probably reality, right? Like he's going to be the one making that decision. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the pros and cons of that would be. Uh, I would I would like to see it, him come down, go 25, him versus Spencer. Um, and maybe Rivera and, you know, all those other guys in there. Yeah, I guess you have to get into Suriano's head, which is difficult. Uh, very nice kid, but um, it's it's hard to know how badly he's going to want to get out there and prove himself uh, NCA this year. I mean, I think that was a big thing uh, the last couple years about his decisions and where he's going and, and transferring and, and getting on the mat and proving. He firmly believes that he's the best wrestler out there, both mm-hmm. uh, collegiately and internationally and you know, certainly on the domestic level. So if he qualifies and he says, I'm feeling good and I want to get down to 125 or I want to go back to 133, he'll have that option. He'll certainly win any wrestle off in the Rutgers room. So how badly does he want to prove that he's worthy of, or that that, that he's the best and, and make sure everybody knows that he's the top guy at that weight? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's definitely more likely if he wins the Farrell and qualifies then and knowing that he's in, that he'll, pull his red shirt then the alternative if he has to go and or it could be a scenario where in some crazy world if he doesn't qualify at Farrell or the open which means he was outside the top five which is like basically totally you know unthinkable if he does that then the NCAA becomes a qualifying option so maybe he sees that as his next opportunity. Well, okay, I didn't get through here, didn't get through here. So it could be the opposite's true. Yeah, that was Bray's uh, hope yesterday, the uh, the selfish hope yeah. that Suriano, do- Suriano doesn't win. That way you get to watch him more often, that he'll be forced to compete. Um, that would be interesting. Yeah, 100%. Here's a, uh, a question that uh, from uh, Blake Barber on Facebook, and I think we know, but maybe Mike Mal could – chime in but Kassar does he have a desire to compete beyond this year collegiately or internationally and I think the answer is yes internationally oh but there is the question of a lot of the Penn State guys doing Bo Nickel route who has very firmly said he's going into MMA after 2020 I thought that was his plan as well well I think I, I I read um or maybe I googled or something there was some article when it was a lot of them are uh if they're they state that they're, that's their intention, but they're not putting a timeline on it. You know what I mean? So if Kassar does really well, we could see Kassar competing international. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he doesn't make the team, I think it's much more likely that he does does go right into the MMA route. Um, I think a lot of it's in the air. I think he's got coaches and good family and, and uh, a lot of support. So whatever he makes, he'll have uh, resources and the ability to effectively make that move yeah. or whether continue wrestling or MMA. Yeah, I want to see him wrestle. Uh, that's all of our hope, obviously. Yeah, I, I think I think he's got serious, serious upside at at 125. I think he could be a guy for for USA eventually, but I think he's going to need to to put the time in. I don't know if it'll happen right away for him, but um, yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna be really good. Okay, um, one more question, and then we will depart. Call it a weekend. Call it a week. FRL. The weekend starts Thursday sometime. Especially here. Uh, <laughs> assuming all wrestle on Sunday, which Hawkeye are you most looking forward to seeing? Teasdale at 33, DeSanto at 41, Kemmer, Cassiope, or the tried and true Spencer Lee experience? The Spencer Lee experience is so anticlimactic. Uh, it's just like, well, it's just like, is he going to come out and quick takedown and Three roll through tilts for four points and, and call it, or four, and call it. Or will it be just a quick first? It's like you so know what's going to happen there. Whereas, like I don't know what um, 
Teasdale. Teasdale is the biggest question mark. Yeah. And Spencer, if you would have said freestyle, are you excited to see yeah. the true Spencer Lee experience? I say absolutely. We have not seen a Spencer Lee freestyle in a while, but we definitely have experienced Spencer Lee, as you mentioned, in college. Um, it's great. It's a great experience. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Um, but, you know, two NCAs in a row, he's been, you know, Detective Spencer, Pin Machine. Um, so I want to see it again. Or well, you against wanna... the higher level competition, he he shows he shows the the more the depth of his array, right? Whereas like he just doesn't need to, so he takes guys down and he's tilts them, tilts them, tilts them, and it's over. Right? Yeah, first period he'll have a, a fourteen nothing lead. Yeah, and you're like, all right, well that one's you know time to go take a, a snack break or something. Yes, Cassiope will be fun. Um, I, that's the one for me. I think it's Teasdale. It's Cassian. Teasdale. It's got to be Teasdale, right? Because it's of all the. Changing schools and location and and all that behind that, um, but you cast. I mean, the guy says he wants the Iowa pin record. How awesome is that? Yeah, and he um, and he's one of those. I can see him, you know, elevating his game, learning all the tricks. You saw the giant step that Mason Paris made uh, mm -hmm. in one year, and Cassiope's got that raw material too. He's a massive guy. I mean, shoulders, chest are huge, and if he can get a lock, a body lock on you. Uh, he's big enough where everybody's in trouble. Well, he's he's just I feel like athletically is where he jumps out to me when when he's firing leg attacks. I think, well, this is a this uh, now. There's a lot of athletic heavyweights right now: Kassar, Gable, Paris. Um, the there's other guys. Sorry, but I think he's going to be right there with those with those types of heavyweights. I really I'm super super high on him coming into this year. So yeah, it's Teasdale because Teasdale. Um, I don't know. Are we gonna see DeSanto at forty-one? I don't know if that's a, has a Iowa released their their probables in any way because that's what I'm I'm excited to see. Ooh, it is tomorrow. Yeah, let's uh, before we go, let's look up. You you start looking, I'll start looking. We'll see if we can come up with um their uh, their probables if anything's been released because normally those will those will come out at Chattanooga. Some point. All right, I see ticket links. I see links for history. I do not see the matchups. Bummer. Yeah. Well, no link there for the uh, the match notes that the tireless SIDs compile before yes. every duel. Well, you don't want them too far in advance. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes you know coaches want to make game time decisions, keep things close to the vest. We all know how that goes. Uh, I don't. Actually. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's um. Oh, here's a good point for someone made on Facebook. Cassiope smashed Mason Paris at Fargo. So if he he's... did also, uh, on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, that was Mason Paris's first freestyle tournament. That was, yeah. So talk about raw and, materials. And, Cass and Cassiope was, is really good international style. He's really, yeah, really good on top. Too. Great um, gut wrench and stuff. So he's he was a tough matchup. He's a tough matchup anyways for him. When you add that experience level, I mean, look at Illinois at Fargo. Like they just have the system. They, they are, those guys are coached and prepared, and they're yeah. really good at the the elements of international wrestling that are different from folk style. They're really good at. So tough matchup there. I'm not saying I I may pick Cassiope to beat Paris in um, folk style as well, but it's not going to look like Fargo. In my, yeah, in my opinion, that's a, it's an interesting. Uh, point, but as you said, uh, you can't read too much into it because of the systems that they're in and the uh, experience that they had at the time. Yes. Okay, we are ready to go. Feel free to play the outro music as we depart. A reminder: um, big weekend. This is gonna be huge. Live on flow. It's it's insane. We're my, gonna be sprinting. My head is is already uh, like spinning a little bit. It's gonna be so crazy. Um, but yeah, Farrell. Saturday is, is is men's freestyle. We got on tomorrow is uh, Greco and women's. We've got Penn State live, Iowa live, Oklahoma State live, all these other Iowa tools. State, um, Oklahoma and Michigan State at Kent State. We didn't even mention yet. Rutgers at Fresno State. You and I Northwestern. Man, it goes on. It goes on and on. Dactronics uh, happening this weekend. Wolfpack well. open. Wolfpack. So plenty to do this weekend. Um, you know, take your, take your girl out tonight, you know, yeah. square away, get that family time going so that um, you're able to dedicate yourself to watching the rest of the day. And yeah. if you miss it, you know, all the archives are going to be on flow. So it'll be good. It's going to be a great weekend of wrestling. 
Um, safe travels to all the, all the flow people and all the teams making their way around the country to, to go put it on the line. Thank you guys so much for listening. 428 Strong. We will be back next Tuesday where the headline will be... What's the big juicy headline coming out of it? Uh, geez, no idea. Oklahoma State at Drexel. Black Knight invite. Who wins Penn State? Wow. It's not be none of those. This is terrible. Goosebumps. It's, I think it's going to be Soriano runs through Bill Farrell 57. It's got to be a Bill Farrell headline. That'll be my, yeah, it's definitely going to be Farrell. Uh, something crazy is going to happen. Um, Nomads will be Makai Lewis, Bill Farrell champion. All right. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next time. Goodbye.